for change to managing trauma on board. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Heading for Change. This is again a special episode about an important topic. I do have a personal story uh, managing trauma on board. Many years ago, uh, I was a captain on a vessel and, and our vessel encountered pirates and uh, that encounter did reveal a clear signs of trauma and uh, back then I did not know anything about trauma, let alone how to manage it on board. After all, we, we managed well and I'm really looking forward to learn more how to best manage trauma on board. We want to spread knowledge about what trauma is and how we can deal with it in the best way. Right now, we are working on a project with an expert in this subject, Rachel Glyn Williams, a consultant clinical psychologist and clinical director at Recall Recovery Limited. Keep listening to learn from her expert knowledge. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Can you please introduce yourself? Yes, so uh, I'm, I'm Rachel Glyn Williams, a clinical psychologist based um, across the water from the port of Liverpool in northwest England. And as a clinical psychologist for the last 20, 25 years, I've had the privilege of working with uh, many people who've experienced critical incidents and traumatic stress um, in, in different aspects of their lives. Some people in, in their workplaces and industry, also on the roads and in, in their uh, public and, and, and personal personal lives. Um, my, my maritime interest comes from the fact that I married a seafarer many years ago, uh, right at the beginning of my career. And so I've been interested in the maritime world for for quite a while, as, as, as well as living within earshot of the uh, the docks and the, the ship's horns going off from, um, from a very early age. Um, and I, my, my work with seafarers, now I've got Seaway uh, Psychology Services, and in that uh, company we work with seafarers and companies supporting the mental health of people at sea and shore size in the uh, maritime industry. So we can offer sort of training, mental health awareness and um, understanding of uh, preventing and managing sort of bullying and harassment at sea. Um, also provide sort of mentorship to sea, uh, seagoing and um, uh, 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 to seafarers and to people shoreside who routinely go out to um, critical incidents at sea and perhaps exposed to distress and distressing um, incidents that people have experienced. And we also provide psychological assessments and therapies where where people need that, where where people can find themselves managing perhaps anxieties or low mood and the effects of of trauma. Today we're going to talk about trauma at sea and why we think it's necessary that seafarers know more about this subject. Rachel, do you think seafarers are more exposed to trauma than others working groups? Well, I think that as um, seafaring is a very high risk um, it's a very high risk environment. It's a very uh, safety critical um, occupation. And so it might be in terms of um, exposure to the potential of incidents occurring at sea. I think that that is uh, that would put seafarers at a higher risk of uh, being exposed to critical incidents. 
Um, I think, as, as we know, seafarers are one of the most resilient workforces in the world. Um, and so they choose their career knowing that the environment they're going into is going to be very challenging. However, seafarers are still human and still going to have those uh, human reactions to untoward events, critical events, when they, uh, when they occur. Um, so that doesn't mean that seafarers are more traumatised or suffer more with the um, the effects of critical incidents, but there's just a higher chance, perhaps, of coming across incidents that could be um, could be upsetting at times. And and to to, to really understand uh, what you what you have specialised yourself into, uh, could you explain and define what what is trauma to, to mm-hmm. get a correct understanding how. What does it mean? And so when we think about trauma, obviously, it's a very common word. It's used in in different ways. It's used in a medical sense, you know, um, you know medical, physical traumas. And uh, when it comes to psychological trauma, it can help to think of it in terms of two different two different things. We can talk about a, tra- a trauma um, in terms of an event that's happened that's been disturbing or upsetting. And we can also think of um, trauma as our reaction to an event. So um, when we think about trauma as as an event, we can think certainly, first of all, about uh, a critical incident, perhaps uh, the the incident itself. Um, uh, When we think about things that are are difficult, the the World Health Organisation, for example, talks about a critical incident as an event out of the range of normal experience. So one which is sudden and unexpected and involves the perception of a threat to life and can include elements of physical and emotional loss. So when we're talking about the event of a, of a trauma, perhaps that World Health Organization definition of a critical incident, something which you know, often comes out of the blue, out of normal experience, which for that the time it's going on just stops normal, ordinary, everyday activity. How how does it affect and and and, mm. and having having this uh, trauma experience or traumatic event? Uh, mm. Are you? I mean, uh, there are certain uh, scales that when you're fatigued, it corresponds to being drunk. And, and if if you're traumatized, uh, what does that correspond to? What, what how how are you affected? I think the when when we when we come across a critical event, when when there's a a, a sort of potentially traumatizing um, event happening at, at that moment, then um, our our very primitive brain uh, responses can swing into action as a way of protecting us from. Um, the the immediate effects of it it helps us to galvanize to get ready those human survival responses that can protect us from the um from the effects of the incident and can have us responding in the best way so um when when the um, event happens um, a very sort of central very evolutionarily basic part of our brain called the amygdala um, detects the threat and starts from our senses and then starts to um, uh, make a decision for us very, very quickly about what we want to do about this this threat in front of us. And so people may well have heard about the fight or flight response, and that's the thing that swings into action 
um, as soon as that uh, as soon as that uh, threat is detected, um, and that that fight or flight response. Um, there's also other things around freeze and flop, as well. These different behavioural responses that we've got available to us uh, when that threat is detected, that has um, a, a number of different effects on us. All of which are designed to um, help us survive a threat or the, the the stressor in front of us. So. Um, when we've uh, when we've detected that threat and our um, our bodies our adrenaline is flowing, and um, it has uh, various effects on us from a physical point of view, our hearts start to race, our breathing train changes. We start to get a bit sweaty. Perhaps uh, we might have sort of poor sleep if if we're um, trying to rest. Appetite's affected. Lots of different sort of physical physical responses, and um, emotionally. Um, we may feel feel tearful, anxious. We have, might have racing thoughts, and our, our behaviours change as well. We may, and uh, that fight or flight response may have us sort of charging into a situation and getting very active and, and intervening. And alternatively, we may want to go in the opposite direction as well. And all those are very hardwired biological responses that we all have as humans, and also share with um, our um, with with um, animals. You know, around around the rest of the animal kingdom, and it's an essential uh, response to help us survive that perceived threat in our environment. Um, and it all happens in a split second before we've even properly thought about or realised what's happening. Where we're either you know where our heart rate is up, we're running away from the from the threat, or we're diving in there without thinking. Um, and you know, our our anxiety and our alertness is is high too. But uh, I mean, uh, let's say that uh, you experience a more more serious type of trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to examples you just gave, uh, is there a, a connection to to mental health and and in in in, in that case, in in what way? Well, certainly, I think the the more serious incidents than I guess in in, in seafaring, there's there's obviously a number of different things that people can encounter on board. Um, unfortunately. See piracy and, and and threat of piracy is is a particularly critical incident. Fires, damage to cargo or machinery, um, bullying and harassment would also come under that under that category. And unfortunately, um, witnessing the, um, the the death of a colleague is obviously one of those one of the, the most um, distressing critical incidents. Um, I think um, the, the the responses I've described. I wouldn't want to uh, put those in the same category as a mental health problem or a mental illness, because those are very important to us to survive critical incidents. I think what can um, uh, make a difference is um, being able to, um, to to manage those over time, to um, have the support of people around you, um, have um, resources within you. To, to help you deal with stress and to downregulate that that physiological hyperarousal, and um, so all those things can help mod, uh, modulate that modulate that response. I think where um, the, those those um, the, the description I've given there of the stress response, we we expect that to settle down really rather quickly after the event has uh, resolved itself. 
um, and and you know, the the situation has um, has settled down. Um, it can be that um, for for certain people or under certain circumstances, uh, those uh, difficulties, those signs of stress, can stay around that little bit little bit longer. Um, and so, where where people have been involved in a situation where they're being more directly harmed, you know, where they're the person that's been involved in the the critical incident themselves, whether um, they've been very close to the person that's been directly affected, um, that can um, in, in affect whether someone carries those those responses um, that that bit longer. Uh, where people have had the, a past history of trauma, whether they've had um, some early childhood difficulties or whether they've been in other incidents at sea or otherwise, um, it might be that the effect of a more recent critical incident can be more impactful. Um, and so oh, there's lots of different factors that can make it um, a, a particular traumatic event more difficult to deal with. Is there some specific level or uh, when do you call it a traumatic event? I guess there's um, it's traumatic as defined by the person themselves, really. It's difficult to say that certain events are traumatic and others aren't, which is why we refer to them as critical incidents, because it might be that um, you and I are in a, 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 a car together that has an accident, but we may react very differently to one another, um, you know, due to uh, even though we've been in the same incident. So it's hard to, to call an, in, an event traumatic. It's more defined by a person's own responses to it. And our own responses to um, trauma uh, or to critical incidents um, and, and ha- whether we find it traumatic or not can, can um, be due to a number of different factors. As I say, if we've had... Um, you know, if either of us had been in a car accident before, for example, or if um, if uh, if I was driving and I felt I was always in control and it's good to be able to, um, I'm, I'm fine if I have a belief that I'm fine as long as I can control things. But if I'm the driver and we still have a car accident, then that might disturb my my worldview of of how safety and control are connected. So for me, for example, that might be more traumatic because it disturbs my the, the kind of the safety nest I have under myself that keeps me safe and well in the world. Um, and so it depends on someone's belief systems, someone's past history. Um, and yeah, absolutely, it does dis- um, depend to some degree on, on the, the size and the um, uh, seriousness of the incident itself. Could you sort of describe what are the common misconceptions about trauma? I think there's um, the sort of mis- misperce- misconceptions about, um, about trauma would include this, the, the idea that if, if people are left feeling upset and carrying the the um, the, the, the sequelae, the, the consequences of those incidents, um, that there's somehow that it's it's for. Uh, it means they're weak in some way. It means that they're not coping. It means that they're um, they're not up to their job. I'm just thinking about um, seafarers, about people being away away at sea when when incidents happen. Um, it might be that people don't want to speak out because they're they're aware of a 
a mis- you know a, a perception out there that they should be over this by now that this is um the fact that they're still experiencing anxiety would mean that they're um somehow uh, less able to cope with things and uh, i guess it's important to to know that um that whilst seafarers do have enormous resource and um resilience as a as a workforce it doesn't mean that they're not going to respond to things in a way um, that shows that they're human as well. One misconception I have heard is if you have knowledge about mental health and trauma, you are overanalyzing and therefore overreacting. But I think actually it's the other way around. I think the more you know about your and others' mental health, the better mm-hmm. you can help yourself and others to feel better in a risk management perspective perspective that means less mistakes from people not in shape mm-hmm. to do higher risk operations absolutely it's really important to have an understanding generally of of mental health as much as it is to have a knowledge of of, of physical health on board um, and knowing about mental health um, issues knowing about um, trauma and those ordinary human ways of reacting to untoward events is 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 very important and one of the things that um, I, I always stress with uh, people that I work with whether it's a, a, an entire crew whether it's individual seafarers or whether it's uh, people here at Shoreside that come to see me in uh, Rodney Street in Liverpool is, is reassuring people that although these um, experiences they're having um, are uh, distressing and getting in the way of things for them it comes from an ordinary response to extraordinary experience. And um, that can be a really powerful um, and very simple comment to make. And you can actually sometimes actually see people relaxing, really, blindly. Is this, is this not, am I not being mad here? Am I not just being um, feeble? Do I just, do I not need to just man up? And um, all these awful comments and things that can come up. And, you know, again, it's just reassuring people that no matter what gender they are, no matter what sexuality they are, no matter what um, cultural background or what occup- what they do for for a living, um, it means you know these these reactions are are universal and it reflects what's happened to them rather than who they are um, or how. And and I think that's a, a very important um, thing to put across and and a reason why it's important for the the maritime industry to have a good understanding of um, mental health generally, but trauma in particular, given the the, um, increased likelihood of exposure to to critical events. And as you say, Joanna, it's it's, um, the more knowledge that you have um, about uh, the the stress response and uh, the recovery from traumatic experiences, it means that you're more likely then to do the things that help you're more likely then to do the things that help you to recover, to put yourself in the best position to to move on from what's happened and to, and to experience a more, more steady recovery and return to you know, getting back to the things that are important to you. On that note, on, on knowledge, uh, uh, being, being, being an ex-seafarer and, and, mm-hmm. and having this importance and, and the impact on, on, on safety and, and, and your correct understanding of the of the situation or the situational awareness mm-hmm. why, why is it that uh, I mean it, it's, it's very central and I do know that the, the armed forces and the police force 
they actively work with uh, this uh, trauma thing. And, but mm -hmm. why, why is it that the this maritime industry is not having the same uh, sense of urgency when, when it comes to dealing with trauma? I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic about that. I think there's, we've seen huge amounts of interest and, and growth and interest in mental health over recent years, uh, particularly, unfortunately, because of the COVID crisis, crystallising many of those issues around anxiety and, and low mood and um, you know, that, that feeling of um, dealing with those uncertainties. It's, it's brought many things to the fore. I think trauma is, is one of those issues. The experience of um, trauma is one of those issues that uh, comes along with um, consideration of of mental health issues, and so I think um, it's there. I think it. I think, and, and hopefully through this this podcast as well, we're raising awareness of uh, trauma at sea and how it is relevant to um, to the, the maritime industry. That's. I think that's coming. I think we can still remain um, optimistic about people wanting, you know, getting interested in that, raising awareness within the industry, and, and people. Um, and, and companies uh, putting things in place to, uh, to to notice and to and to manage that when it happens. That, that sounds, sounds very promising. Yes, it sounds really positive. We have learned a lot from you, Rachel. Are there something you would like to summarize today's discussion with before we finish? I think we are <laughs> soon running out of time, unfortunately. I would I would say that it's um, it. Uh, I would encourage people to. Um, be interested in mental health issues generally in, in maintaining and promoting their own mental health we've all got a mental health and just like physical health um, it's important that we pay attention to it to make sure that it's uh, our mental health works for us so we can still do what's important for us for ourselves and our lives wherever we find ourselves at any one point in time and uh, knowing how to support ourselves and other people at times of acute distress um, I think that matters um, more, uh, even even more so. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Rachel. And you did so well on your first podcast. We really encourage you oh. to, to continue your career. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you, you Rachel. Thank you. I was just thinking that uh, <laughs> I, I, I was just thinking when my husband was away at sea and he crossed the equator for the first time. I remember him saying that he got his head shaved. So I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, there's no kind of ritual kind of uh, <laughs> event that I need to undergo. You don't know that yet. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm thinking there's going to be a knock on the door anymore with somebody with a razor. Um, no, so um, yeah, hopefully, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Thank you ever so much for, um, for looking after me during my first podcast. And I do hope it's been helpful. Yes, thank you. Thank bye. you so much. Okay, bye for now. Bye-bye.